Hello, everyone. As a little bit of a warning, this week's episode of Lore Watch will be discussing the topic of fathers and their relationships to characters throughout Blizzard's uh, storytelling over the years. Uh, it is inspired by the fact that this is being recorded on Father's Day. Just wanted to give you a heads up. We understand that the relationship between uh, individuals and their fathers may be complicated. Uh, and so as a result, that may be some triggering conversations. And we just wanted to give you a heads up. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in your favorite video games and other things as well. We've been expanding. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm fine. All right. Well, today, as of the time of this recording, if you are in the United States, and I'm not sure if it is internationally or how it shakes out, uh, but at least in North America, today is Father's Day. Fathers can be a very complicated relationship, uh, and it is uh, to not exactly everybody's favorite topic, but it is something that has, well, reared in its head in games and movies and everything else. The, the relationship of a father with their, their children is always something that can be interesting or have some sort of story importance. And the games we play and the games we've been covering here are no different. They're no exception to that. Uh, in fact, that is one of the biggest scenes in, you know, the RTS history is Arthas stealing and, and interacting with his father and all that all shook out. So we thought we might take a, a moment today and talk about not necessarily maybe our favorites, uh, but how fathers are portrayed in video games like World of Warcraft or any of the other ones that are out there. There's a lot of them. Matt, is there one you think we should start with? Because mm. my go-to is Varian. Yeah, I can see that. Um, the thing is, is like, I was going to talk about Deckard Kane. Ah, that is a good one. Because Deckard Kane's not only an adoptive father, he's also an actual father. He had like actual kids with his, with his actual wife, and he sort of abandoned them to go be a Haradrim. Uh, when the Haradrim were basically gone, he sort of chucked his whole family life. And I mean, you kind of get it. Cause I mean, if he hadn't, you know, world would have been destroyed by demons and you know, that, that would have included his kids. But at the same time, you know, he wasn't that great a dad the first time around. Uh, I don't know if you'd say he did better the second time. Um, his sort of foster fathering of Leah, not his fault. I'm not blaming him for this, but he didn't exactly prepare her for the whole, oh, your mom's super evil thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Decker Kane, I think he's an interesting example of somebody who's definitely a father and a father figure, but at the same time, maybe lacked in certain areas. Well, I've. I think it's actually not a bad one to start with just uh, from an interesting standpoint. I agree, especially when you consider that a lot of players would consider Decker, uh, Decker Kane, the sort of their fatherly figure, their, their sort of role model, or I shouldn't even say role model their their confidant, their mentor in Diablo. Like that's what he's doing. He's, he's helping you as the player, as much as you are helping him, whether it's advice or, you know, breaking down spells, telling you how to use the Roderick cube, uh, giving you bits of lore and history, but his own past is definitely very uh, tumultuous, I guess would be the best way to put it. So you mentioned his wife and his kid. Uh, so he didn't marry somebody 
named Amelia and have a son named Jared. Decker Kane got so absorbed into his work that eventually his wife left with their son. And if I remember correctly, uh, she was, they were murdered, right? Like they were, there was a bandits wound up uh, taking him and her out. And yeah, the, the wagon they used basically uh, Deckard and his wife, Amelia had a final argument that, that their son Jared witnessed. Um, and then it was an argument they'd been having over and over again about him, not, you know, focusing on his actual life, but instead on, you know, the stuff his mother had always told him about the Haradrim and so forth and him, you know, him like trying to trying to be both at once and kind of doing a crappy job at both. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this one's kind of, kind of rough guys. Basically as they were taking uh, the, the wagon train East from Tristram, probably I I mean, if they're going East, I, I think they were probably headed towards Luke Lane or someplace. That would make sense. Um, yeah. But they never got there because bandits attacked the wagon and both uh, Jared and his mother were killed. And so Deckard went from being a father to not being a father. And then he repeated this role of, of mentor, not just for the player, but like you mentioned Leah, but there was also somebody in between as well. Didn't he also uh, become the tutor for Prince Aiden and sort of take on like a fatherly role for the boy in a lot of ways? I, you could argue that, yeah. I mean, c- certainly it w- it's hard to argue that Prince Aiden got a lot of fatherly anything from his his father, uh, the king, because... King Leoric. Uh, king Leoric was kind of having a mental decline during that period of time due to the whole Archbishop Lazarus secretly working for you know the prime evils and driving the king slowly insane sort of thing you know eh, sort of sort of like a, a rough period for everybody i don't think it wasn't until aiden left for the war with westmarch the the stupid stupid war um that you know tristram decided it was going to uh wage against the much more powerful nation to the the uh, west um but while he was off doing that the whole darkening and tristram thing happened uh, king leoric sort of started you know, the war itself was a sign of Leoric's decline, and it was a sign that the darkening was starting uh, because they couldn't possibly win. And I'm pretty sure they were. Leoric was from Kegistan. He he was you know uh, part of that empire, and he was a you know he was a noble amongst the uh, people of Kegistan. But the Zakarum Church told him to come to to Tristram, to Kanduras, the, the nation is Kanduras. Uh, they told him to come to Kanduras in the name of the Zacharum and declare himself king. Uh, but he didn't know that Lazarus, the guy that was advising him on that, worked for Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that their whole plan was to find the monastery where Diablo's uh, soulstone had been left and reclaim it and thus use it to, to free Diablo. And that's why Tristram, which was a sleepy, out-of-the-way place. There is no reason that Cain would have met Aiden if not for this decision, because because Tristram, where Cain lived, was a nowheresville. The only reason it even existed was because there had been a Haradrim monastery there, the same Haradrim monastery that his ancestor Jared had been part of, the same one where the Diablo Soulstone had been left. Nobody knew that except a very few people. Unfortunately, Mephisto was one of them. 
And so all of this happened, I don't want to say because of, but almost ancillary to this, this whole period. Uh, the Conduras West March war was over really fast because Conduras did not have anything like an army. Like when West March was founded, it was also founded by um, Rakis, who was a Kedjistani, you know, uh, person, but it was, you know, hundreds of years earlier, he led an entire army of paladins West with him and they built a, a militaristic nation he, in, in comparison. Leoric went to Kandoras with his family and an evil archbishop that was playing him. They just didn't have the force, you know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting that Kane was Aiden's tutor. I don't know if you can say he was really a father figure exactly, but he's probably the only sane person that he dealt with considering his father was slowly going insane. And that after Aiden went off to fight in the war, his father executed his mother. Speaking of bad fathers, <laughs> which this is rapidly turning into. And I had not foreseen this uh, King Leoric. I have a balance dad. for this after. Don't worry. But yeah, King Leoric, terrible dad, Kane, not the best dad. Uh, although it should be said that Kane's crime was mostly just neglect. He didn't intend anything to happen to his son uh, or his wife, for that matter. That that wasn't his intention. They just they left and were murdered by bandits. It's not. He probably was in. He he certainly would have probably gone to find them when he had calmed down. But yes, during the whole uh, the whole you know Draconia Tristam Diablo thing, when and it's interesting because if you actually play the original Diablo. Uh, the character that we later find out is Aiden is just the fighter. Mm -hmm. But there's, it's clear that Kane knows him and, and advises him throughout that. Um, probably should have told him not to stick anything in his head. Uh, in retrospect, not the best decision Aiden ever made, but, um, he was starting to, to lose it after seeing his father is now an evil skeleton and his mom is dead, and his little brother, uh, who he thought he was saving, was in fact the demon he was killing the whole time. Uh, so yeah, and that kind of com- that actually kind of combines in with with Cain here because Cain was the, for lack of a better word, foster father or guardian or what have you of of Leah. But Aiden was her father, but obviously he didn't know her because you know after he stuck a soulstone in his forehead and started having Diablo take over his body. Um, he, he, um, him and Adria had, had relations. Uh, you know, we're talking about Aiden being her, her father. So you understand that he had to father her with Adria. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so that's another, not, not the best father. Cause I don't think Diablo is a very good father. <laughs> no, definitely um, not. Cons- considering that Diablo then contr- later in life possesses Leah's body, uh, turns it into his body and, we never find out anything about Leia ever again. And we're apparently not going to in Diablo four, like uh, Leia, Leia died, I guess. And her spirit went wherever spirits go when they die. I, you got me there. Um, that's a thing that the, the angels and demons don't know. So yeah, what I'm saying is Diablo doesn't have a single good father in it. And the closest it's got is Deckard Kane, who at least tries at now, at least now didn't start. That although, way. although, you could argue that Mephisto is actually a decent dad because of his <laughs> okay. two children. He only banished one uh, 
to be destroyed forever. And the other one ran away from, oh, actually, no, Mephisto is a terrible father too. Okay. Yeah. But, but Lilith and uh, Lucian. Yeah. Both, both are existing. I, I don't know if Lucian still exists, actually. He might be dead, but, uh, but, but Lilith still does. And she's going to be the main antagonist of a uh, job four. So, you know, no, nope, no, nope, Mephisto is a crap father. <laughs> yeah. They're all terrible. Well, let's, let's talk about some good fathers then to balance this out. Um, although Blizzard does seem to have a tendency of wrapping up stories of fatherhood with tragedy, uh, they de- seem to go hand in hand, at least in the past. I'm hoping that changes in the future. Uh, but in recent releases, uh, in particular with the Sylvanas book, we got a glimpse of a father who was actually good at what he did. He was a good father, uh, or at least he tried to be. He tried to do what was best for his people uh, and for his family. And with that, I'm going to talk about Vareth Windrunner. Uh, Vareth Windrunner was obviously the father of all of the Windrunner siblings, uh, husband to Larissa, who was the ranger general and the chief diplomat uh, and advisor to King Asterion. Uh, This is a rather important role, but also he made time to be with his family and to spend time like teaching his kids. In particular, some of the scenes in the book that I thought were really interesting were when Sylvanas would recount the times with her father and her father trying to make it a point to teach her the ways of being like diplomatic, not just having her rely on her skills as a hunter or skills as a, a wind runner in general or, or a far strider. And he tried to impart to her having wisdom, using your brain, making sure that you could think your way through a situation because not every situation called for an arrow or daggers or, or violence of any, any necessity. And sometimes taking that extra couple moments to understand what was going on helps you out in the long run. Now, this is a lesson that she may have not necessarily taken to heart until way too much later, but it is one of those formative things where throughout the entire portrayal of their relationship in that book, in the Sylvanas Windrunner book, it is characterized as a healthy relationship when her, when Sylvanas's mother, Larissa, would get very angry and sort of do scoldings or or punish the children, it was Vareth that would sort of soften the blow. He would go through and almost in a scandalous nature with sometimes with Sylvanas, uh, you know, encourage her pranks or, you know, advise her to be smarter about pulling them. And it was sort of a breath of fresh air because a lot of relationships with parents and children in WoW in particular tend to be at odds with each other. Even we'll, we'll talk about Varian and, and Anduin too, be at some point relatively soon, I would think because they definitely ties into it, but there wasn't really that same tension between any of the children and Varath. He was always the calmer of the heads of, of, of the parents. He was always the one that wanted the well-being of the family taken care of. He also felt the same duty and honor that, you know, Sylvanas and her sisters felt and in particular that Larissa felt he just went about it a completely different way. And it was nice to see a healthy portrayal of that sort of relationship, um, counting, riding on his how, uh, on his horse that was gifted to him by the King Anisterion with Sylvanas, having that fond memory of, of him at her back as they, you know, sped through the forest or chased fireflies, uh, having the recollection of the conversations that they had with knowing the noble families, understanding lineages, how to address people, but also tasking her with 
you're smarter than this. You're better than this. You are not just a blade in the dark. And it was a nice thing. Now, I know you you read most of the book, if not all of it, right? Yep. What did you think of their relationship? Well, it was kind of filtered through the tragedy of the whole thing. Because right. you knew he Again, wasn't going to make it. Tragedy, tragedy seems to be wrapped up with fathers. Go figure. But, I mean, like you pointed out, I mean, it, it's actually interesting because it kind of answered a question I've always had about Sylvanas. In that, how did how was it that Sylvanas reached out to a human to be one of the Far Striders? You know, that's that's something that I always thought was kind of weird, and it's not directly his, but it's kind of his influence. Because he teaches diplomatic, yeah, to be diplomatic and open minded, right? Yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah, I do, however, want to talk about the best father in in the Warcraft canon, though. Which one? Dalen Proudmore. Go for it. That's that was a joke. Dalen Proudmore was not a good father. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, no, um, uh, but but he is a father, and he did care about his family. Um, in fact, one could argue that everything Dalen Proudmore did wrong came from love of his family. Uh, for example, um, Dalen Proudmore's incredibly racist and genocidal turn in in Warcraft Three. Uh, I think it's it's uh, Reign of Chaos, right? Uh, uh, or, yeah, I believe it is. It, yeah, it's in Rain of Chaos. Um, it's, it's when he shows up and he's going to like, he takes over Theramore and throws Jaina in a cell and he's going to murder every orc he sees. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's wrong, uh, in the, the story clearly portrays it as wrong, but it is understandable because his son was murdered by the Horde. Uh, they flew red, enslaved red dragons over the fleet and just burned them to ash. He lost his his eldest son, his heir, to to the horde. Um, Which was a parallel saw, that was shared by Sylvanas, by the way. And he also saw, like he saw the horde in action. He saw what they were doing. He saw the destruction of Stormwind. He knew what was coming for his people. So it isn't surprising to me that he never got over that. It, however. If you look at how he then interacted with his other children, I mean, Tancred, did he interact with Tancred? We never find out. We never know much of anything about Tancred's relationship with uh, Dalen. And as for Jaina, obviously when Jaina was young, she he doted on her. He refused her nothing. Uh, instead of having her stay in Boralus and learn magic from the Boralan mages and specialize in you know the kind of magic that they they were you know improving of like you know controlling the wind controlling weather stuff like that tide sage stuff he, he allowed her to go and become one of the Karen Tor, to go study in in uh dalaran and she clearly was extremely gifted i mean antonidas was like oh that oh her okay yeah um so clearly he did care about her at the same time that he and he also saw a benefit to his people in it in that he very much wanted, and I think both he and, uh, oh man, I can't remember, Terranus. Yeah, Terranus Menethil. Man, I could not remember his name for a second. There. Um, both he and Terranus clearly wanted their children to get married. Oh yeah, 100%. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, royal families do. But it's also clear that he wouldn't have forced it. No, had she had said no, had she had yeah. said, this is not what I want, this is, this yeah. is not who I want to be with, you could tell that at the time... Or at least before everything went sideways, he would have uh, he would have honored that, right? Yeah. Well, Dalen clearly just the fact that he let her go to Dalaran, he let her make her own decisions for years, um, as her father and as the you know effectively the king of 
Kul Tiras. They didn't have a king, but the Lord High Admiral was essentially the ruler of Kul uh, Tiras and still is. Um, he could very much have said, you know, you're going to do what I want, but he respected her. He respected her ability. So in that way, he was a good father and just unfortunate that his good father's status broke him. When his son died at the hands of the Horde, he never got over it. He never got past it. He never accepted that it had happened. He accepted it had happened in the sake of that he knew it had happened and there was nothing could be done about it. But he internalized it to the point where he's straight up telling Thrall, you know, you, you think you can just reform? Uh, you know, and Thrall's like, you know, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make the Horde better. I'm trying to like make someplace... And he's like, no, your your horde killed countless innocents. You're you murderers. I, I your kind is never going to change, and I will never stop fighting you. He said it right to his face. Um. So yeah, in that mania, he clearly mistreated his daughter. Would not listen to her. Would not take her. Took control of Theramore. Yeah. He yeah he, he imprisoned her. He put yep. you know she started Theramore, and not with his ships, mind you. They, those people were not Kul Tirans. No, there were, they they were, were there were a few, but they were survivors most, of Lordaeron. Some survivors of Lordaeron. Some of them were Gilneans, the Gilnean Brigade. They were people who were escaping. He didn't do anything to help those people, but the second he showed up, he decided he was in charge and put his daughter in prison. Mm-hmm. And so, whilst the people of Kul Tiras saw what Jaina did as a betrayal, it's kind of hard not to think that he she got betrayed first. Like he, even if he didn't agree with her. It wasn't his decision to make what Theramore did. He could have taken his fleet, gone north, and just attacked Durotar if he wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was that action, that betrayal of his daughter's trust in him, that I think is the biggest mistake Dale and Proudmore made. Because if he hadn't done that, I don't know that Jaina would have stepped in and helped the Horde. No, and I think yeah. I th- I think that's a, a very interesting point. We talk about how relationships uh, can be used as a force in like even literary means, but in the game means of, of giving specific characters that push. And we saw this with Jaina in particular, there was a lot happening that really stems from her relationship with her father and what her relationship with her father became up to the end of his life at the hands of Rexar. Um, you know, and despite the fact that it was Rexar that put him down, despite the fact that it was a champion of the horde, uh, it she still tried to have peace. She still tried to understand that the actions my father took do not have to define me. I can try to make the legacy something other than what it was at the end. She can remember the good times and move forward. And then you get to battle for Azeroth, uh, where, you know, it starts with the Warbringer short, which I think was in Legion, right? Um, you get the daughter of the sea. No, no daughter of the sea that that short's definitely, uh, but it was Harbingers the, of, of the Legion ones, no. That's uh, right. The, the, the Warbringer shorts were all Battle for Azeroth. They were intro to it. Um, that's right. Except the, except the Ashara one, which came out later. Um, but you see that, like, Dalen is still a prominent figure in whatever's going on in her, her, her life and her evolution as a person because he's the ferryman in that Warbringer short. Um, she still has nightmares where she sees Dalen. Um, they're she's still trying to make decisions based off of what she's doing that revolve around him and what that meant, what his, his choices were. And then you have battle for Azeroth that sort of takes, you know, kind of goes off and, and does 
uh, ramps it up to 11, where there's an entire encounter where you are trying to fight her. If you're horde trying to get her to stop laying siege to a horde city, right? Like, but it's, it's this ebb and flow with her that all stems from her relationship with her father, what her father did. Well, and it I also mean, had, it also had, it also had effect on cult in general too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, since you mentioned that thing about the, the battle for uh, the Zara lore, did you get to play through Jaina's um, quest line on the Alliance side? I did. Okay. So you know how she got taken to, to the Drust land of, I can't always forget, the Throats. Yep. Uh, and in Throats, she's being subjected to her own memories mm-hmm. as like attacks. One of them is her relationship with Arthas, but for the purposes of this, it's her relationship with her father that is a a big part of it. I heard like just trying to understand why he wouldn't listen. And it was that, mo- that thing. That's why I called it a betrayal. It was that it wasn't that he, he threw her in prison. It wasn't that he took over Theramore. It was that he wouldn't listen to her. It would have been one thing if he, she'd sat down and he would listened to her as she laid out what she was thinking. And then he'd come back with some reasons why they were going to, you know, the horde had to be opposed. She wouldn't have agreed with it, but at least she would have gotten him to listen to her. I think it is that lack of listening that is the moment when, like, in every parent's life, you have to come, you come to a point where you have to accept that your children are not children anymore. Uh, and then they're not your children anymore, exactly. They will always be your children. You love them, but they're now at the point where they make their decisions. And you may not agree with those decisions, you don't get to override them. And because they're not, they're not children anymore. And there's that Dalen couldn't let go of her. And I think it's a big part is because of that. Derek died so young. Derek died as a captain in the fleet. Derek died and he blamed the horde, but moreover, he he couldn't allow himself to release her and, and and believe what she was saying to him because it was the final act of, you know, now she's the world that she's going to have to face the world. I can't protect her anymore. Do you see where I'm going with that? Like, does does that make sense? And and there's, and it's interesting too, because there's, uh, we talked about this last week when Liz was on here and we were talking about star Trek, as I'm going through the next generation, I just came across the episode where uh, there's the Kardashian or the Kardashians and the, uh, wow, uh, Starfleet are trying to come to, uh, and the Federation of Planets are coming, trying to come to, uh, sign a peace treaty, essentially. They're, they're trying to end, uh, years long conflicts. And there's one captain who is running through, uh, uh, the basically blowing up Cadassian ships and doing so because he's not, coming to terms with how fat, how he's wounded with the loss of his, you know, wife and kids uh, at the hands of, of a tragedy in the war. So even in a time of peace, he's can't fathom it. He's so wounded by it. And Dalen kind of is that same way, right? The, the loss of his son, the loss of everything except Jaina basically, and his wife um, uh, are weighing on him so much because he tankards in the background going and me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody but, cares about you, Tankard. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, they he couldn't keep Dalen safe, right? It, it was at the hands of the horde. It was at the, the what what he was yeah, supposed to do he, as a father. He, he let, failed. He he let Derek go. Yeah, he let Derek be a man and take his role in Colteris, and it killed him. Mm-hmm. 
So now the very fact that he was even there, he wasn't there to fight the horde. He didn't go to Kalimdor to fight the horde. He went to Kalimdor to find out what happened to his daughter. Cause she vanished and no one knew where she was. And he thought she was dead. He thought she yeah. was dead at the massacre at Lordaeron. So he, when he found out, no one knew what had happened, that people had seen her sailing away. He didn't hair off cause you know, the horde must be stopped. He haired off to find his daughter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, even though I, I said in jest that he was the best father ever, he did care. He just couldn't express it. And it's actually interesting because there's a contrast in his generation amongst the, the Royal families of Stormwind, amongst the various humans. There's a contrast, but that someone who was actually a good father, Lane Rin, Lane Rin was an exceptional father. Uh, his death wasn't because he, he, he not only did he teach his son as best he could, how to be King, he taught him how to be a person. Mm-hmm. And how to actually think about the world. And he showed this through example. Like when he allowed Garona into Stormwind, he was trying to be open-minded and yeah, it bit him in the butt, but he was still attempting to do the right thing. Um, and it's really funny because uh, Varian Rin had essentially two father figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his own father, Lane, who was a very good father figure. And then he had uh, Anduin Lothar, uh, who we now know is his uncle. Because his Varian's mother, Varia, was Anduin's sister. That's it's established in lore now. It was it wasn't established in lore until they made the Warcraft movie, and then they were like, Yeah, yeah, that's that's lore. That that happened. So we now know that that's one of the reasons that Anduin Lothar fought so hard to keep Varian alive. And we also know that therefore Varian and his son Anduin are were in their turn the last of the Arathi bloodline. Because they're you know the last living Arathi uh, kings after, because of you know the, the who um, Anduin Lothar was descended from, Thoradin himself, the the first king of Arath. It's interesting that the Trollbane line is not in any way directly descended from from uh, from Thoradin. They're they're not that bloodline. But so we had Lane and and Anduin Lothar, both his father figures for Varian. Varian, I would say, had a really hard time coming to terms with stuff that happened in his life in terms of we his should, fatherhood. We and should you talk should talk about, about that. that. <laughs> you should talk about it. Cause I've been going for a bit. Well, I mean, you haven't, so have I, uh, but I mean, let's talk about the first war. Uh, so you have Varian who gets to live through the burning of Stormwind. Uh, the basically watching everything he grew up with, uh, fall down around him. Yeah, uh, but he, that's not the worst part. It's not. Var- Go ahead. Varian sees his father get his yes. heart cut out of his chest by someone he trusted. Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically, I mean, he gets to witness that. He gets to witness the death of, of his father. He gets to witness the, the death of everybody. And then he has to run uh, to Lordaeron, of all places. Um, so you have Anduin Lothar, who was absolutely convinced that Stormwood could not be retaken. Uh grabbed Varian, grabbed Queen Taria and anybody he could and led that escape. And he brought them to, uh, to Lordaeron. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm giving this, I'm shortening it because it's a long thing. Yeah. 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 Where they would warn King Terranus Menethil the, the second, uh, of what was coming of the horde and what everything that would happen. And so for a while, you know, he grew up for lack of a better term there while things were getting, 
I don't want to say settled because the world at large was still going through the first war. Um, but then Varian became friends with Arthas, became friends with the, the Menethil line was, uh, you know, that's it, where he got his third father figure. Go ahead. Because he had Anduin Lothar as his father figure after his father died. Then Anduin Lothar died fighting the horde back. Uh, he died on top of black rock mountain. So he lost that father figure and his last living relative, really, because his mother, I don't know what happened to his mother. I mean, if someone can tell me what happened to Varian Rin's mother, that would be great. Um, but so then he's got Taranis who took him in, who, who, who basically raised him. What? Cause Lothar was off fighting. Mm-hmm. Lothar couldn't stay and raise uh, Varian. Varian and tell him all the things he needed to do to be a king. Partially because, you know, what did he know about it? He'd been a fight general all of his life. He'd never been a king. Uh, and secondly, you know, he was busy fighting this war. So it was basically Terranus who stepped in and did all that or arranged for it to happen. It was Terranus who, who got Varian, his, his tutors, who made sure he was trained, who made sure he knew not just how to fight, which he did. He was very good at fighting. He'd been trained by the greatest warrior in, in the entire seven kingdoms, but also how to be a king, how to rule. And and so what happens to that father figure? Well, there's there's more to it, too, that I want to add in there as well, because don't forget, it was because Terranus and Terranus basically, for lack of a better term, suing the alliance into action, that Stormwind was retaken. And that not only was Stormwind retaken, but the alliance helped pay for the reconstruction of Stormwind. And helped Varian take his position as king at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where, like, communication between them didn't stop. And Tyrannus was was proud of who Varian was and how he was grown in, growing into a, a clever and noble king. Uh, and Varian got to feel a father's pride that might have potentially been a seed for Arthas to go off the rails later, but we'll talk about that. In, in, well, yeah, I mean, that's actually a really big part of the Arthas novel. Yeah. Uh, when they go to Stormwind for Arthas to be knighted as a paladin, they do it at Stormwind Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And they do it like Varian hosts them. I, I, There's not much in the book that implies that, that Arthas was envious of Varian, but when he was younger, he, he clearly hero worshiped Varian. Oh yeah. And Varian, however, was like several years older than him and had just been through the burning of Stormwind, the death of his father and the loss of, you know, Anduin Lothar had to go off to fight. He wasn't really in a place where he could respond positively to what Arthas was putting down. And that's something that, you know, that's important, but you, you can't really ignore that Terranus did the father role for him. That's absolutely the case that in addition to uh, his own children, he treated Varian like a son and he his made second sure son, Varian, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He, he made sure Varian was taught how to do the job and then he made sure he got to do it. Yes. Uh, and Varian never forgot it. Uh, when, when it was Terranus's wish that the orcs would not be put to death, but would instead be kept in camps and, you know, you can say what you want about that. It certainly wasn't a great thing. The camps weren't well run, but it was better than just killing them all. It was Varian who backed him first. Mm-hmm. And without Varian support, you know, between Trollbane and uh, bloody heck, why can I not remember the King of Glenaeus? Gen. Gen. 
between uh you know Trollbane and Gen Greymane, there were like serious forces arrayed against Terranus on this one. He probably wouldn't have pulled it off if not for Varian and the the mages of Dalaran. And the Lord Admiral didn't care one way or the other. And uh, you know, and that's that's something that fatherly relationship that Terranus and Varian had definitely plays into what happens next to Varian. So you you, you go now. I was gonna say Varian also got to experience the the joy of being a father, uh, at least uh, a little bit at first, because Varian, uh, after having studied under uh, King Menethel and actually under like Torellian and other noble statesmen. And understanding what it is to be a king and what it is to sort of lead by example, you know, he married Tiffin. They had a child who he named after, you know, his uncle, uh, but he would routinely go and leave Stormwind in the charge of the House of Nobles because he was doing his duty fighting for the various kingdoms, going to various uh, like fronts and making sure that things were taken care of, meeting with spy masters and making sure things were running smoothly. Uh, I believe, Although he was also hunting someone. And who was he hunting? Garona Half-Orkin, the person who ripped his father's heart out. Because revenge is definitely a motivator at that point, too, because the Horde, the orcs were still here, right? Even though, even at the, the after the end of the the. Yeah, the second war being in the camps and everything, there was no report of them going elsewhere. So of course he was going to be looking for his father's murderer. But I, I do want to point out that unlike a lot of people, Varian he certainly didn't like orcs. Mm-mm. He certainly didn't think that anything good about them. But he didn't hunt all orcs. He didn't put his father's death on all orcs. He put it on the person he saw do it. And it's really hard to argue against that. He saw, you know, we know that the Shadow Council used dark magics on her, but he just he saw her kill him. No, you know, and he was a he was ten. Now, I mean, Batman, you know, comes out of that <laughs> sort of thing. So it, it is actually surprising how restrained he was. Now we can we're going to probably speed through a bunch of of Varian's formative years after this simply because there's all too much to cover. We could do an entire episode just on Varian. In fact, we might. Um, he gets to witness the death of his wife at the hands of a, a riotous crowd um, as the people that he entrusted to run a kingdom essentially caused said riot. Um, the true cause of that yet to be seen until later on. Hi, Black Dragons. Uh, during the Third War, uh, Varian journeys to Theramore to speak with Lady Proudmore, and in route is abducted by the Defias, uh, and is then, you know, imprisoned. I believe it was originally on Alcaz Island, I believe was the name of it, right? And then, yeah, you, off the coast, yeah. And then, this is all at the behest of Anixia, who is looking for a way to get rid of him. Uh, and instead of getting rid of him, winds up splitting him in two, because that's a thing that happens. Yeah, uh, she wanted a she wanted a docile, tractable Varian. She didn't want to just kill Varian because then basically Bolvar would become king in in effect over you know holding out for until Anduin came of age. She didn't want that, so she tried to basically rip all the the fighterly stuff that he got from Anduin Lothar out of him and just leave the diplomat trained by Terranus Menethil. Instead, she split him into two people. The, the 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 warrior one escaped and ended up washing up in Durotar of all places. And becoming but a gladiator. Yeah. yeah, he was pretty good at it too. The orcs yeah. all loved him. 
<laughs> low gosh, low gosh. Yeah. But but this isn't. We can again. We can. We probably will talk about Varian at, at length at some point. But all of this is he left behind his son, who Anduin was essentially in charge, even though Bolvar was behind acting as regent uh, alongside of him. Anduin was king because Varian was absent, was missing, presumed yeah, as far as dead. People knew he might be dead. Yeah. yeah. So, and with a little helpful nudge from Anixia, yeah, Anduin was named king. Now, the interesting thing is that his relationship with Anduin after he comes back, after he is made whole again, as the two halves of his personality are fused together, Varian he, he still has that sort of Logosh. Uh, mean streak about him and Anduin is completely the opposite. Anduin is a child seeking peace. He's seeking the way of the light. We get to see several points in time, especially during things like cataclysm where Anduin is going to study in the priestly manner, not a paladin manner. And yet not to be confused, he is trained for war. Varian made sure that Anduin was ready to fight. That was a key component of it because he would mm-hmm. be, he would be absolutely damned if his child was defenseless. He lost his wife. He lost his kingdom. He lost his father. Uh, he wasn't going to lose his son, but there was a lot of tension between them because Varian was very uh, direct. Isn't the right word. He what wasn't, he didn't come back the person he had been. No. Um, whilst he did still have all of the knowledge that he'd gained growing up, he did still remember being the person he had been. He didn't, when he was combined back into the, from two variants into one again, the joining wasn't complete. They weren't, they weren't one person anymore. They were still kind of two people inside one body. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Gen Greymane tried to join the Alliance Mm -hmm. that Varian got to sort of rejoin the two halves of his self more fully. Even then though, he still, what he'd been through had, had convinced him that war was the only solution to these problems. And it wasn't until his son showed him that, no, you know, we don't have to always result in bloodshed. And there's like, I can't remember where it's from. There's a thing where like, Varian says something like, I will rule with a sword all my life, but hopefully you won't have to. And it's that sort of, I mean, we're, we're kind of glossing over this. I do feel it's important to say Varian straight up hit Anduin. Yes, he did. He straight up hit him. It was wrong and he knew it was wrong, but he lost his temper. And that's what led him to finally make peace with the uh, Gilneans and seek their ritual to re- recombine himself more fully because he realized he was out of control. Um, but he did do it, and it needs to be mentioned. Uh, that is that is not a good dad moment. No, as, as somebody who knows what that one tastes like. Yeah, um, it is. <sighs> it's it's it a, is, it's, it's rough. It's yeah, it's a rough thing to see. Uh, but I do think that Anduin and Varian basically began to have a better relationship. He after started that. He started to listen to Anduin. He started to maybe not always agree with him, and they would often argue. Yeah, uh, but he did take. He started taking his arguments he did what dalen proudmore couldn't do he recognized oh he's he's growing up he's finding who he is i may not but i may not agree with him but i do need to listen to him because mm-hmm. it's he, this is a job he's going to have someday he needs to be thinking about these things and i need to show him 
what the cost of it really is. There's a the moment in Orgrimmar at, at the end of Seizure of Orgrimmar, at the end of Mists of Pandaria. I think that that is a really good moment between Varian and Anduin because Anduin is the one who's like, "What are you going to do?" And he says, "What a king must do." And he thinks you can tell the look on Anduin's face. Anduin thinks his father's going to march over there and start a war, but he doesn't. You know, he goes over there and says, "Look, you've done things to us, and." You know, they have not been answered properly, but we don't have the time for this. I'm not, I'm not going to start a war now. I'm going, I'm worried about my people. I'm going to take them out of here. I'm going to try to rebuild, clean up your own house. He's firm with them. He's aggressive with them, but he doesn't push it. He doesn't make it a conflict. He does what he believes a king must do. And that's the thing. That is everything Anduin has done as a king has been an attempt to live up to that. He doesn't always succeed, but that's what he's going for. Is trying to figure out, okay, what do, what do I have to do? What should I do? There's there's a scene that I really liked in the, I believe it was the short story, Blood of Our Fathers, where mm-hmm. uh, Varian actually winds up going to Tiffin's grave in the Stormwind Cemetery. And he starts questioning if Tiffin could still love the man that he had become. Uh, basically evaluating his life, evaluating if he was, you know, the best that he could be for his family, which at this point we had seen so many different, like aggressive actions from him. Uh, this is after, uh, Moira had uh, taken over iron forge and trapped Anduin in which Varian decided, okay, time to make the murder. Uh, and go to yeah. Anduin. If if Anduin hadn't been there, Moira would have been dead. Yeah, dead, the, dead her was, magic her magic aside, she was not. She would not have stopped him. There, there is no way. And, but like it, it's it him having to have those moments, I thought was always the most interesting, and in my opinion, one of the best written father arcs in Warcraft, because he starts to actually take steps to be a better father to take time to teach his son statecraft, not just warfare, to introduce his son, which there's already scenes where we see Anduin understands people probably better than Varian does, but Varian understands it from a different angle, and you can see him trying to impart that to Anduin to try wow. to make Anduin the person he can, he knows he could be. And at the same time, I mean... One of the things I like, one of the things that reason I mentioned it is because unlike Dalen, he understands that Anduin has things he does not. Mm-hmm. Dalen could never accept that Jaina knew stuff he didn't. Varian eventually realizes, no, he's not just, you know, soft and reluctant. He has under, he understands things I don't. He's got wisdom I don't have. There- I don't know where he got it from. Did he get it from Tiffin? Did he learn it from his tutors? I don't know, but it's there. And in, like while Varian, as you point out, Varian does not just follow around doing whatever Anduin says, he does consider him. Yeah, there's there's another really good scene, and this goes back to the Sylvanas book, and I, th- and I thought it was really, really interesting as well. There's a council being called with the news that the Legion is about to attack uh, Azeroth again. And so all of the heads of state for both the Alliance and the Horde are being brought together. Uh, there's a, a meeting place. I believe it's in Dalaran, I want to say. I, it's It's been a while. Um, but there's a scene where Varian shows up and Anduin is with him. This is another important thing. He brought Anduin with him to all of the important meetings. 
if Anduin chose to go. He didn't keep him away from it. He didn't separate him from that. He didn't keep him from interacting with the other heads of state. And there's heated arguments going on, and it's Anduin who casually, like, there's a there's a standoff scene where nobody wants to sit down. Everybody is continuing to stand as they look at each other because it's that nobody wants to show weakness. Nobody wants to be the first one to sit down and, and show, like, deference or anything like that. And Anduin makes it very obvious as he walks over to a chair, pulls it out loudly, and sits down and scolds everyone and says we've got other things to worry about than your posturing let's get on with it and then you see varian have a proud father moment as he smirks and is like okay anduin knows yeah like i'm doing okay like he's doing what he needs to do this is i I, we did the right thing and so they all sit down and progress through the meeting but they wouldn't have been able to do that if varian didn't bring anduin with him something that you know dalen proudmore probably wouldn't have done Something that Ben Greymane definitely wouldn't have done, right? You have all these fathers, uh, all these noble leader-type folks that refuse to expose their children to what they actually do. And why I'm coming back to this is because this is something that, going back to, like, uh, Vareth, a Windrunner, he didn't. He, he made it a point to include his family in what he did as often as he did or could including state dinners, receiving diplomats from other nations, being involved in meetings that he was allowed to have them there with him so that they could be exposed to that as well to understand the full breadth of what they were actually doing. Varian did the same thing with Anduin, and you actually, don't see that a know, lot. This makes me want to talk about a father who didn't actually ever get to be a father. Go for it. We have time. Durotar. Oh, yeah. Okay, go for it. Because you can't argue that Durotar didn't have an effect on his son, that Thrall didn't draw upon that figure. You mean Durotan, by the way. Durotan, yeah, sorry. Uh, Durotan, I mean, clearly Thrall named Durotar after Durotan. Uh, He was clearly thinking about him. But he didn't even know him until, he didn't even know who he was until um, Orgrim Doomhammer and, you know, Grom Hellscream told him about his father. And Great Mother Gaia, too, like when he finally met her. Yeah, Great Mother Gay as well. So this is very much, and I think we actually kind of have to talk about Agram and Garrosh in the same discussion, because again, there you have a father who isn't there, mm-hmm. and you have the son who reacts to it. But unlike Thrall, who is always given a positive portrayal of his father by the people who knew him, Grom was not, you know, Garrosh did not hear good things about Grom. No. All he heard about Grom was that Grom was the guy who drank the blood first. Grom was the guy who got us into this. Grom was the guy who led us in the down the path of you know slavery and damnation. So you have these two guy, these two young orcs growing up in very different circumstances. Uh, one of them convinced that his father and everything he inherited from his father was evil incarnate and horrible, and the other, whose father, when he finally discovers him, is held up to him. As this great chieftain, this hero who tried to stop every, every all the bad things from happening, and was murdered for it. And there's that in that case, in both cases, um, that is an interesting dichotomy, in my opinion, that really shapes who both Thrall and Garrosh became. The fact that Thrall's name is Thrall, mm-hmm. and that they call him Thrall, 
other people do. Even the orcs do when, you know, that is because his fa- his parents were murdered. His mother and his father were murdered. We see what happened to his mother after she died. We know what became of her. We have no idea what happened to Dur- Durotan. Yeah, we still don't. We've never seen him again. He's never come up again. We don't we don't know if he went to the Shadowlands. Obviously he did because he died, but where is he? We don't know. He might have but- He was he was an orc consumed by duty. You know, it was his duty to his family, to his wife, to his unborn child, to his people that drove him onward. Like he didn't leave the horde or set himself against it because he knew it was his duty to his people to get them someplace where they wouldn't all die. Once they made it to Azeroth, though, they were out of there. They found the first place they could go to get away from Gul'dan and his horde. They abandoned it mm-hmm. and they were murdered for it. And they were murdered, you know, for for trying to speak out against them to, to by to, for talking to Orgrim and saying, "Dude, you've got to turn on this guy. It's crazy." And you know, if Doom, if Orgrim Doomhammer had had been the man that Durotan was, and he admitted this, he would have just killed Gul'dan as soon as he could instead of following Blackhand. But he felt like he had to follow Blackhand, that he had to remain loyal, and as a result, his friend got murdered. And his friend's child, as far as he knew, his friend's child got murdered. And it wasn't until years later. And that's, Orgrim ends up being a father figure to Thrall. Like, Orgrim Doomhammer, I I think it's fair to say both he and Grom play similar roles. Grom, although Grom, I'd say, is never a father figure. He's more of an older brother. Yeah, I think even in the the speech uh, that Thrall gives, he does refer to him as a big brother. Um, Actually, I'm going to look that up here real quick. But the... You're looking it up. I thought I would talk, but if you're going to talk, go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the interesting thing between Thrall and Garrosh is they are two characters who live underneath the crushing legacy of their fathers, and each of them is a different legacy, and it's fascinating to see how that... It's almost like a classic trope of writing where it's like, it's the one thing that went wrong that caused this cascade this butterfly effect of terribleness because had Gramash, uh, you know, done what he needed to do ahead of time and not be the, the one that started the curse would Garrosh have been as he was, uh, the quote by thrall, by the way, uh, is in many ways, the curse of our people began and ended with Grom. His name meant giant's heart in our ancient tongue. He earned that name a hundredfold as he stood alone before the demon Manoroth and won our freedom with his blood. Laktar Ogar, big brother, may the war song never fade. Like, that's an enormous thing as well, because th- put, put yourself in, in Garrosh's shoes, and Thrall is telling you about your father. He's telling you about the legacy that he he left behind, that he was the the initial cause for the uh, agreement of drinking the demon's blood. But then at the end, he stood and fought and paid the ultimate price to free all of the orcs from the curse that he himself had had put on them. That will mess you up. How do you live up to those expectations? How do you live up to, to, to grow in that shadow? And you can see the effects that it has on Garrosh. Yeah, because he goes from somebody who doesn't want to lead, who doesn't want to, to possibly perpetrate the same kind of moral failure on his people that his father did. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to lead them to be destruction the way his father did. And then, no, Thrall shows up and is like, no, no, man. Yeah, he did that. That that happened. But then 
Then he had a really cool act too, man, that you got to hear about. Yep. And Garrosh goes from that reluctant, hesitant person, that self-hating person who thinks he's he is damned by the sin of his descent, to someone who's like, I'm going to be the orkiest orc who ever orked an orc. No. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to go out there and I'm going to lead and I'm going to be like 10 times the orc anybody else is. And and he went it's like it was honestly like you know how Blizzard used to do the and possibly still kind of does the pendulum swings where yep. like oh that mechanic didn't work we're going to like get rid of it entirely. It's like no no man you could you could just oh okay never mind. Yeah. And I mean it's like that's what Garage did and the reason that it happened was cuz Thrall had no idea how to explain to him what, you know, the complicated person Grom actually was. Mm-hmm. And that's because what did he know about talking to someone about their father? Nothing except what they told him about his father. Yeah. Orgrim and- wasn't telling him all the ways that Durotan effed up. Failed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was telling him the heroic stuff. Well, think and about that's it. what he did. Think about it. Like even the great, the great mother, uh, yeah, quote, he was an immovable mountain, a pillar of strength and honor. He sacrificed himself so that we could survive so that generations of orcs after him could be born into a world without the blood curse, without Gul'dan and his old horde. Oh, Duratan, how I wish you could be here. Your people so desperately need you. Like you get that quote. Which is, yeah, your father was a rock star. He did everything right. Uh, he, when he found he couldn't do the ultimate thing, he noped out to give everybody a chance. Like he did everything that he was supposed to do versus what Thrall is telling Garrosh about his father. Like there's a wild difference there, which is also why uh, a big arc in later expansions for Thrall is realizing how bad he effed up. Right. How bad yeah. he, he effed up specifically with Garrosh. And even in that final confrontation with them in that final, uh, you know, battle between them in the Magora, uh, Garrosh basically says, you made me. I am what you did. I am your mistake. And Threll doesn't realize that until later. Uh, and to be fair, Garrosh does actually get to go out in a glorious act too. Uh just took till Shadowlands to get it. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, by embracing unexistence uh, to, you know, fight back against his captor and the jailer's force. He he does it. (laughs) He does it in a very garage way. 100%. Where he's not sorry for anything he ever did. And he doesn't apologize or try to make amends. He's doing it out of pure defiance. Yep. And it is really, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it's Thrall's fault, but at some point, you know, we got to say, Garrosh never learned that other lesson of his father that no. you can be wrong and atone for it. He didn't learn it. He learned about the big sacrifice, but he didn't learn what it meant. And so it's in a way it's even more tragic that Garrosh never really got to either be or meet his father. Yep. He never got to and when he tried, he went back in time into another universe, but that wasn't really his dad. That wasn't his father. It was as much like him as any, you know, two blades of grass thing that blah, blah, but it still wasn't him. And there's always going to be that weird scene where he, he pulls Gorhal out of Manoroth and tosses it to Grom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can tell he's thinking, this isn't my Gorhal. I lost that. I left that behind. And it's just 
it's a lot. Like the the whole the arc of those two characters bouncing off of each other is in many ways about the idea of absentee fathering and and not that it's either fault necessarily. I mean Grom Grom couldn't get home, you know? It's not like Sorfang who was possibly even more difficult to live up to as a father. Um but I don't think we have time. Do we have time to talk about Sorfang as a dad? Uh, I mean, I'm perfectly fine to take. I think our, our listeners at home will be more than happy for us to spend another five, 10 minutes on, on that. So please okay. feel free. Well, I mean, look at the Sorfang and his, his, not just Sorfang himself, his brother does an astonishing thing. So Sorfang has that kind of pressure, but then Sorfang, you know, he's this figure who just lives through all the wars and in the process creates this legend that his son is eager to live up to. He's not hesitant and he doesn't doubt himself. He is dying to get out there and prove he is the son of Sarfang. You know, he's Varrock's son, Dranosh Sarfang. It, you know, it means like, you know, heart of, it means heart of Dranor. He's going to get out there and he's going to show everybody what he's made of. And you can't even argue that he fails at that. Um, he is almost the stereotypical ultimate orc. In that when presented with a figure of death and destruction, his first response is charge it with an axe. Because he only learned half of what his father was. Again, it's actually very similar to Garrosh. He only knew his father through the legend. He Mm -hmm. didn't actually get to know him because his father was off fighting the, the, the various wars. So he had a picture of his father he was living up to. But he didn't actually know the regret. He didn't know the very, as much as as Varrock Sorfing hated to admit it, he was extremely canny. Oh, yeah. There's a reason he was alive through all of it. The reason that he only died, you know, like like almost ancient by orc standards is because he was smarter than he wanted to be. Cunning but brutal is the way that I yeah. would I would I would put it. But not just cunning, he was flat out smarter than he wanted to be because he understood it. There's a he reason under- he was the supreme yeah. commander of the might of Kalimdor. <laughs> yeah. And and there's that bit where he confronts Garrosh and, and he actually gets through to Garrosh. Mm-hmm. Like when they're having that conversation, when, you know, his own son is fighting in that war, but he hasn't dead yet. He's talking to Garrosh and he, he talks to him. The only like the only person who's ever spoken to Garrosh like a child because nobody else was in the position to do it. There was no father for him. His father was off in another world. So here's Varrock who knew Garrosh, who understood him, and who flat out tells him, I remember your father. And if you if it looks like you're gonna do what he did, I'll kill you myself. Yeah. And that's exactly what Garrosh needed to hear. Can you imagine if Drenosh hadn't died? Oh if wow, Varrock, yeah. If Varrock hadn't had to turn his attention to like, you know, the loss of his son, to the mockery that the horde made of his son. Not the horde, sorry, uh, the 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 scourge. The scourge. Yeah. If he hadn't had to turn his attention, he was the only one who seemed able to get through to Garage. Like the only one who said these things and instead of Garage rejecting them out of hand, he actually goes, How did you how have you lived so long? You know, he, he, he asks, it's not an attack. It's not an insult. He straight up wants to know mm-hmm. it is, it is a tragedy of the highest order that Sorfang didn't get to, to spend that time with Garrosh and help him in a way Thrall couldn't Thrall was like a little younger than Garrosh, 
What's he going to tell him? Yep. You know, I mean, and, and think about it. Think about, think about what a different world or a different character Garrosh would have been. If, you know, if like Varian being able to go to, uh, Turnus Menethil and have him as a, a surrogate father, if Garrosh would have been able to do that with Sarfang from the very beginning, Sarfang, brother of Broxigar, you know, uh, one who led the forces of combined of Kalimdor against the Silithid, a war hero, an icon, somebody who is living legend. And Gar- he's not, he's not going to sugarcoat it. No, he's not going to tell you only the good things your dad did. He'll straight up tell you he was a fucking maniac. That's our Sorry. One. Yeah, that's our one. He'll, but he'll tell you that. He'll tell you he was a maniac. He had his good side, but he also had his really bad side. If I see his bad side coming out of you, I will deal with you. Yep. You know, and and be believed. You know, anyone else said it, Garrosh's hackles would have gone up, and he would have been like, "Let's let's do the tango." But not Sarfang. Sarfang, Sarfang said it, and he believed it. Yeah. Had his son not died, had he not basically shut down for a while. Because, you know, it's one thing to lose, you know, someone you care about. It's one thing to, like, see people die. It's another thing to be old and waiting for death and your son dies. Like I'm not that's gonna... the future. That's your future. Just yeah. going. If you've ever seen Avatar, the Uncle Iros, you know the one I'm talking about. Yep. It's that. And, and Except then he gets turned into an undead monster and you have to go help kill him again. And, and think So about it's it, even worse. And think of it this way, too. Had he not retreated like that into himself... There's a very good chance that he, instead of Garrosh, would have been named Warchief. Oh, yeah. You know, but it was one of those things where, like, Thrall knew damn well Sarfang wouldn't take the role, even if he, yeah. Sarfang would have just said no and walked away. There would have been no, oh, my duty calls for this. My honor demands it. Sarfang used to be like, nah, my kid's dead. I'm going to be over here mourning for a while longer. Bye. I gave you my son. I gave you my son. I gave everything that's, that's to the enough. Lord. Yeah. That's enough. That's enough. So yeah, but for that matter, had his son not died, he might have been named War Chief. Also true. You know, because whilst he was still pretty reckless, he wasn't Garrosh reckless. You know, <laughs> that's you know, there's reckless, and then there's Garrosh reckless. Yeah, and I mean, and honestly, that is that is one of the most heartbreaking scenes that, for me that was ever written uh, into World of Warcraft was the scene where you know especially even if you're alliance right and you you defeat actually i've done it both alliance and horde and i'll say this horde it's heartbreaking but alliance it's even worse yeah i was just gonna say the same thing sorfang has to come to to varian and say please yeah and varian doesn't doesn't drag it out doesn't make it like you know um uh, i think it's magni magni is all oh we should be and he's like magni he's not a horde coming to fight us. He's a father collecting his son. Yeah. He's a father come for his son. Yep. I, I know what he is feeling because if it, if it was my son, I know how I would feel. And I was just going to say to bring it full circle, we wouldn't have gotten here in that moment. Cause Varian wouldn't have let him do that. Had Anduin not been slowly like changing his father's perceptions of the world. Yeah. And also though, just the very fact of Anduin, the fact that he was a father, yep. somebody else like, like who wasn't a father up there might've said no F off, but someone who knew the kind of pain Sarfang was in, it didn't matter that he was an orc. It mattered that he was dying inside. Yep. And the only thing keeping him going was that body over there. So yeah, you want, yeah. Uh, as, as a man, take your son. And I, that is just one of the, it, it is 
pretty much if we're going to talk about fathers in World of Warcraft, it's probably the best note to go out on. I would is agree. That meet that meeting between fathers at top Ice Crown Citadel. It, we didn't even get to talk about Arthas's daddy issues. No, we can spend again. We can spend a whole time talking about that too. It again. I I wanted to talk about it just because so much of of Warcraft's story so much of a lot of blizzard's writing has really revolved around the relationship between a, a father or even some a lot of cases of their mother and we'll talk about those in another time um and their children a lot of it is you know the themes of pain for the sins of your parents or your parents doing the best they can or thinking that they are and still going you know sideways there's a lot of of yeah, if, if we do do a mother one, um, Catriona, yep. and uh, yeah, we're gonna. There's some we didn't do Deathwing. We didn't do Deathwing, so, and Deathwing needs to be, but but definitely Jaina and her relationship with her mother. Yep, because uh, that, that one, that one's really important. But there, there's others too. Yeah. So we may we may end up doing a a belated Mother's Day episode since it was you know a month ago, or a month ago. But for now, I yeah. think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. All of us at Blizzard do continue to stand with the employees of Activision. All of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard in demanding change for a better tomorrow, as well as their continued efforts to unionize uh, and their successful efforts there therein. Congratulations again, Raven QA. Uh, we also hope that the rest of the game industry will follow suit. Uh, but with that, folks, we'll see you next week. 